Hey everyone, this is the Foul Balls Podcast. Um, I will be your host today as we will cover a different sport than baseball and football. Today we'll be covering the English Premier League, and I'm joined by my soccer lead soccer analyst and content provider on Rotopros, Rob Diamond. Hey Rob, how's it going? I'm doing great, Nick. Thanks a lot for having me here today. Awesome, Rob. Today we'll be covering the Match Week 6. This Saturday we have a very interesting slate. Um... And with no further ado, let's dive into it with our first game. The first game we have on the slate will be Huddersfield versus Burnley. Um, from a you know just a neutral standpoint, this game you know probably doesn't provide much DFS hope or play for the average player. But for Rob and I, I think there's a bunch of interesting you know plot lines or storylines developing in this game. Both teams played mi- midweek in the Carabao Cup or the Carabao Cup, and Burnley had to play 120 minutes in what was a very intense game in which they ended up losing to a championship-level team. And um, Huddersfield played a game, an interesting game against Crystal Palace in which Crystal Palace came away with the victory and scored arguably their first goal of the season. Um, just from a you know quick standpoint, a couple plays that you know really stand out to me. Rob and I were talking earlier this week about Tom Ince. Tom Ince is a great, you know, very active and arguably the focal point of the offense with Huddersfield between him and Mui. And he has he actually has the most shots in the EPL this week this year without finding the back of the net once. Nineteen shots on goal. But Rob, what are your takes on this game? I really don't like Burnley. Uh, I usually do week to week, but this year at home they've completely mixed up their fortunes. Historically, their home form has been excellent, and their away form has been atrocious. But this week, uh, we're finding them back at home. And this season, they've been playing pretty poor at home. They barely uh, got by Palace and salvaged a point against West Brom. And most of their games, they're really not into the game until the last five, ten minutes, where they usually uh, keep it close and just snag a point. Uh, I'll be looking to target Huddersfield, either uh, Lossie, Lossie the keeper, or uh, Tom Ince, uh in GPPs. Uh, I think he's due for a goal. Awesome. I'm totally with you on Tom Ince. I think Mui's a little, priced a little bit too high. Although, you know, if you look at his game log, he, he does have some pretty, very absurdly high crossing games where he's racking up, you know, between 13 and 24 24 crosses in the game, which is kind of just outrageous. I haven't seen those kinds of numbers since, you know, Quaresma played in Portugal or Besiktas. But, you know, that's about it from the Huddersfield standpoint. It looks like we're not on Burnley. Burnley has not been playing too well at home this season. And we will move to the next game. The next game is very exciting from a DFS standpoint. My vision only on one side of the field, and that's Bournemouth at Everton. Everton has really, you know, they've in some ways, they've left some people down because they've been expecting more. But in other ways, if you're, you know, if you really look and dive down deep into this team and you know did a deep dive on like who they've played and you know the potential game line and storylines that have happened in those games, you'll understand why they haven't been performing too well in the first five weeks of the season. Their last three games, they've gone against all the title contenders: Manchester City, Man U, and Chelsea. And you know, finally, they get a very you know cupcake matchup at home. Gilfie Sigurdsson is my favorite player from this game. He's priced all the way in the mid-8K salary range, and he should be just everywhere this weekend. All over the ball and every set kick, corner kick, free kicks, just looking to rack up assists, crosses, and every kind of stat that you can imagine from a DFS standpoint. What are your thoughts on this game, Rob? Uh, 
Yeah, I really like Sigerson a lot this week. He's probably my number one play across the board. I think he's going to be low-owned in every uh, aspect. Uh, eventually, whenever you start stacking the expensive guys up front, you just run out of room in midfield and you usually fall back into the Tom Ince around the five to 6,000 range. Everton have scored a lot of goals at home against Bournemouth. They really need to win this game. I actually like uh, Jordan Pickford an awful lot, too. Uh, the more I think about it, the more I really like Bournemouth. Uh, Defoe is incredibly streaky and will probably have a chance to score again. And uh, Junior Stanislas is coming back, and everyone's more than welcome to look at his DraftKings game log and see how he performed last season. He was an absolute beast. Uh, so he's someone I'm thinking about, too, if he's going to log a full 90 minutes. He takes all their set pieces. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how he comes back. Interesting that you mentioned Junior Stanislas. Do you know his price by chance? Uh, just give me one second. Yes. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, 7200 on DraftKings. Interesting. Uh, to give you an idea, just before he got hurt at the end of last season, these were his uh, points, 18, 18, 16. He had a couple one games, a 4, a 6, a 9, a 13, and a 14. He's, he's amazing. He's really, really good from a DF standpoint and as a player. Yeah, we talked yesterday and we had our, you know, initial recorded our initial podcast and we weren't, you know, relatively aware that he was going to play. So, but I highly exactly. doubt he'll probably see ninety minutes in his first game back. They'll probably look to ease him in. Probably give him six. Yeah, he did play in the the midweek fixture there, uh, and he, I think he played like sixty seven minutes. So it actually wouldn't surprise me if he got the ninety. But you're right; oh, they're going to be careful. You're right. Yeah, if they you know give him sixty midweek, they could easily give him ninety. This weekend, as you know, Bournemouth isn't necessarily a titan. They don't have Champions League midweek, so they they don't really have nothing to worry about with their, you know, logging their guys' full minutes this weekend. Anyways, we're going to move on to the next game. The next game is Crystal Palace at Man City. This is probably the only lopsided match of this game, I mean of this week. Crystal Palace, a team that hasn't scored in, um, in the Prem this season. They will look to, you know, arguably get their team back on track against Man City and Man City, who is probably the, you know, title contenders, ease title contenders as the way they've been shaping out what Pep's been doing with his team. But Crystal Palace does have some hope as they, you know, played midweek. And we mentioned before they beat Huddersfield with a 1-0 victory. So, you know, they'll look to ride the momentum. Soccer, you know, soccer's a sport where momentum is a big thing and, Changing of management is a big thing. So recently, Crystal Palace sacked their old coach and they brought in a new coach, and you know things have been seemed to change. Maybe you know igniting a fire under the team. They really don't have that bad of a roster. Last year, Rob and I were both chatting earlier that you know they were one of the best DFS teams to target from a DFS standpoint. All their guys just accumulate points and rack racked up, racked up points in all kinds of ways as they played a very fast and up tempo game. So hopefully they can, you know, show some of this uh, fiery passion and take it into Manchester as they take on Man City, but it probably won't happen. And Rob, what are your takes on this game from a daily fantasy standpoint? In terms of Man City, I'm going to be looking at Sergio Aguero, unfortunately. I really don't like him as a player. Uh, And in DFS, I always seem to get him wrong. But this week he comes in with 
the a floor uh, with an assist and a goal. Uh, the assist being the key. He's one of the few forwards that will actually get you many assists or have, have a ceiling of many assists in one game. Uh, so it's hard not to look past him, but uh, obviously uh, Jesus is someone I'm going to have a lot of exposure to uh, also. Also very interesting here. They're, they're a team set up to prevent teams from playing rather than going out and looking to win games. They're looking to disrupt other teams so this this could be a little bit of a surprise for a lot of people here i doubt Palace are going to win the game by any means but uh they should score one it wouldn't re- it really wouldn't surprise me if they scored one yeah funny you mentioned that uh pep probably is you know looking past crystal palace this weekend as he has a home matchup against Shakhtar Donetsk in the champions league so sometimes these you know big contender teams look past these small minnow matchups in the Prem in their domestic leagues as they're not necessarily focused while their manager also is caught in the pickle with, you know, how to manage his his team's minutes and stuff. I read somewhere that, you know, Vincent Company was involved in full training this week, so he'll likely be back in the starting eleven. You know, how how many minutes do you want to give him knowing that you have a tight, uh, Champions League match coming up? Oh, there's a lot of question marks and a lot of, you know, things that Pep has to deal with when approaching this game like this. It's a very it, it has a trap feel. It really does have a trap feel. If Leo Arsani does end up playing, it's important to remember him. Right now his floor is basically two goals. Every even as a substitute he keeps stepping on the field here and getting two goals. Uh, I don't think that's uh, going to continue for a very long time. Like it's due for some recession, but that's what it is right now. Like he's just fire right now. Yeah, the way the you know the game plan and the strategy that goes into Pep's team right now is it's 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 crazy. If you watch that team, it's one of the most entertaining soccer teams I've seen in a while. Just the way they pass, the spacing, and you know constantly getting their front guys great shots on that all the time. Anyways, this brings us into the next match. Um, before we covered one side of Manchester, now we'll touch on another Manchester team. This team is on the road, and that's Man United visiting Southampton. A um, couple interesting notes on this game. Southampton's cap- captain and best defender, Virgil van Dijk, is set to return after you know, a thigh injury and some transfer rumors. Just It seemed like a pretty... You know, weird, nasty situation boy in there. It looked like he wanted to get out of the club. Now he's forced to stay. So after recovering from an injury, he'll you know he'll look to rejoin his team, and you know hopefully give him a little boot added boost on on defense. They'll take on Romelu Lukaku in the vicious front seven of Manchester Manchester United. Uh, this team, too, is involved in a Champions League match this coming Wednesday, so it'll be interesting how Jose Mourinho manages his team. But they lost Pogba to a recent injury. They'll look to fulfill that void. And as far as that goes, it's uh, for me, it's only Romelu Lukaku and maybe Henrik Mkhitaryan. If, you know, we know if we see some news that Mkhitaryan's going to be over almost every set piece and corner kick. How about you, Rob? I'm going to make a bold statement here. And I will be fading United outside of David DeGay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, the Sometimes teams just don't play as well as you need them to in order to win you a tournament. Man United are going to win this game. It's not going to be as comfortable as I think a lot of people think. Southampton are a very capable defensive team at home. 
but at the same time, they don't score goals. I think Man United is more than capable of scoring a at least two goals uh, against Southampton here. And uh, David De Gea's price at fifty four hundred on DraftKings, which makes him the one, two, fourth, the fourth uh, most expensive team basically behind Everton, Chelsea, and Man City. Uh, so that's a huge value. In every single game, he's in it for three saves, four saves. Every single time uh, Man United have won here, they've gotten a clean sheet. I don't understand how he's not priced 6100 or 6200 By all means, he is going to be and should be the raw, the raw points keeper of the week. I am a firm believer in behind that statement. De Gea is you know, one of the best keepers in the Prem. He has, I've always said he has cat-like influences. He's not the biggest, you know, he's not the most dominant presence in front of the net, but he, his instincts and his reaction time is the crazy, some of the craziest things I've ever seen. The saves he makes with his bare wrist, legs, it's, it's beyond my comprehension. Uh, yeah, so I'm a firm believer in David De Gea, keeper. He definitely should be priced with the, you know, Ederson and Man City, but DraftKings, for whatever reason, thinks differently of this game. Probably because Manu's on the road, and last time they were on the road last weekend against Stoke, they drew 2-2. But I don't think the same game trick will be in for today, or tonight. I mean, Saturday. Anyways, moving on, Chelsea, another you know title contender and current champion, is at Stoke. A couple interesting storylines going into this game. Chelsea have finally got rid of Diego Costa as they shipped him back to his old team, Atletico Madrid. You know, solely giving Alvaro Morata the keys to the engine, per se, in front. Uh, I think he makes for a fine GPP play. And arguably cash play this week as Stoke are, you know, they're really struggling in their back line. They're currently without Ryan Shawcross, who is their lead and best centre-back defender. He's doubtful, as he's still recovering from an injury. Jeff Cameron, the American, he's also recovering from an injury, just getting recently injured. And Kurt Zuma, the player they received on loan from Chelsea, cannot play against his former team due to some fine print and details in his loan. Anyways, moving into this game, uh, yeah. Alvaro Morata stands out to me. Hazard stands out to me a little bit. If he's up front with Morata, I think Chelsea's attack will be, you know, dynamite going into this game. I don't see a way that Stoke can prevent, you know, guarding and, you know, dealing with all these types of players that Chelsea has. And as far as Stoke goes, I'm not really too overly interested in anyone. I know Rob is kind of interested or intrigued by a certain Stoke play, so I'll let him touch on, you know, his takes on this game. Yeah, I, I really like Stoke going into this match. Uh, Jack Butlin is a little bit too expensive to be that value keeper everyone's looking for. But in terms of uh, their attack, uh, Shakiri is absolutely outstanding at 6,900 on DraftKings. There's absolutely no reason not to play that in cash and in GPP. Stoke have been quite the battlers at home. Uh, they've put up uh, some pretty big fights against some pretty big teams and gotten uh, some points away from them. Historically, too, this isn't something that's just kind of come new. Uh, it's been around for quite a while. Uh, so I'll be locking Shakirian in pretty well every format here with Sigurdsson. Uh, I think the, the, they combined for probably around 40 points in DraftKings this week. Awesome. 
You heard that here first, guys. If you want a free 40 points in DraftKings, just follow the ways of Rob. Anyways, that about does it for that game. Um, this game, you know, should have some lightning and thunder and from a DFS standpoint. I would not fade it, but... Anyways, that brings us to the next game. Watford at Swansea, two teams that are currently in the mid to bottom part of the table. They are both struggling to find their true identities. Watford has somewhat of identity, but Swansea is just all over the place with everything. They haven't played well at home. Watford has played very good on the road, and I think there's a lot of value in this game from a DFS standpoint that could go overlooked to the masses because they, you know, these uh the masses usually gravitate towards the Titans, and they'll just look to stuff, you know, Man City and so and so and so and so in to just and then find their cheap random punts. But I think this game stands out from a value standpoint, and there's a lot of you know production to be grabbed in here. And I'll let Rob elaborate a little bit more on that. Yeah, Swansea are way overpriced, uh, especially uh, Fabanski in uh, in nets for them. They have amazing away uh, trips, especially to London. And uh, in particular right now, they're absolutely brutal at home. I don't think they've scored or won at home. So that's something I'm looking to target for sure, especially when you consider how many people are going to be scared off by Watford last week in the big headlines of getting smashed 6 nothing. So Watford's going to open up a lot of different uh, possibilities as fillers for your cards. I touched on a lot of them in my article, but uh, the one that uh, really stands out the most to me right now is uh, Holobos. I know he's on the little bit more expensive side for uh, for defenders, but he, he handles uh, all the corners. And I liked him to get the CS bonus here and uh, for Gomes to get the win, but I don't see him getting enough shots to actually uh, get you any major points in a, a GPP. Interesting, interesting. I definitely like Holobus. I, you know, he's one of my favorite defender plays week in and week out of Wofford as a plus matchup. He's constantly involved and just flanking up the side, just always throwing in balls to Richarlison. Richarlison's another guy I remember you mentioned earlier. I don't know if you're as high on him. His price is a, finds it a little bit awkward range, but, you know, he offers a great floor. He... I think he has the most fouls drawn. He always is racking up points in some sort of manner. But outside of that, we're definitely on the Wofford side of things. So that'll take us to the noon game. The noon game is Liverpool at Leicester. These two teams played midweek. Liverpool got shut out 2 nothing. They did not play their starters. It was uh, it was a cup that you know Klopp isn't really keen on winning or advancing. So he rested... He rested a couple of the big names. He did give Coutinho a full 90 minutes. So, you know, we'll look to compound on that 90 minutes in a Prem, prem game with the same opponent. This time, it'll be on the road at Leicester. Nothing really stands out to me in this game. It'll be hard to, you know, guess what Liverpool's going to do with their strategy. They're, now they have all these guys healthy. We don't know if Sturge is going to be up top or they're going to run a false nine with Firmino. If Firmino's out wide, he doesn't really offer that much value. If Firmino's in the middle, he does. You know, Coutinho out wide. Coutinho out wide and in the 10 roll, both the same kind of value, but it's just very hard. It's not worth it to me to guess. If you were to guess, I'd play one of these guys in the utility. Sturge will probably be my first, you know, my first guess because he offers the most value. He's the cheapest guy. He'll be up front. He'll be shooting at will. 
And on the Leicester side of things, I'm not really too, I don't really like too many people. Maybe Schmeichel, he's very cheap and he should see a ton of shots. Liverpool, I think, are the average the most shots on that is so far in the Prem. What about you, Rob? What are your takes? Um, I really dislike Liverpool. Uh, they have to go to Moscow on Tuesday, which is the uh, game uh, the the first day of Champions League. There's a game on Tuesday and Wednesday. All the other teams here are operating on Wednesday, uh, so this is a, that 24 hours is a big deal when it's a trip to Moscow. I think they're going to be looking. I think Liverpool will be looking past this game. Uh, their defense is already atrocious. If uh, Vardy looks like he's a go, I'm definitely going to be locking him in uh, because Liverpool are going to let at least one goal in, if not two. The uh, Schmeichel is becoming my favorite keeper play of the week uh, outside of De Gea. Um, he is going to see probably anywhere between eight to ten shots, make uh, six to seven saves. Uh, get the win. That's uh, that's a pretty good play at his price range. Uh, I just don't like Liverpool mixing it up as much as they are. They're putting guys in places. There's such like a well, if he does this and he does this, you know, and like Firmino's useless if Milner's playing because Milner's going to take the penalty shots. But if Milner's not playing, Liverpool sound like they're going to be missing both their center backs. Uh, so that's another thing that's just absolutely targetable that a lot of people won't pick up from whether it's someone who made their cards on Wednesday and didn't log in to change it or uh, someone who doesn't know the game very well, which is a lot right now. Soccer's growing. So there's a lot of people who may not be aware the Liverpool center backs are missing. And Vardy, at, I think he's 5,900 on DraftKings. I haven't checked that recently. And that. That's just craziness. Like anything under 8K right now is craziness against Liverpool. Uh, and conversely, any Liverpool keeper that's over 5K is uh, equally absurd and has to be avoided. But in terms of, uh, I really like Leicester a lot uh, to score some goals and keep everything out. There you heard it. A man likes Leicester. But anything can happen. It is definitely tough to go to Moscow on Tuesday after playing 90 minutes on Saturday and then playing another 90 minutes on Wednesday. So if you do the math, that is three games in seven days for any All team. All the way. Yeah, exactly. Any team, I don't care how big and bad and talented you are, that is a tough task to do. So I could see a scenario where Liverpool definitely look past this game to get torched again. Um, but, yeah. I'm a Liverpool fan, and it sucks to yeah. think about things. Like we that. both are. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, that'll wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. That's the game breakdown of Match Week Six. Before we head out, um, let's just give the guys, the users, a couple interesting plays. Let's give three midfielders and three forwards you like the most this week, Rob. Um, the three midfielders I'll be locking in everywhere are Sigurdsson. Shakiri and uh, yeah, I'll say Tomins. And my three forwards, I will go with uh, Sergio Aguero, uh, Rich Allison, and uh, Jamie Vardy. There it is. Those are some GPP plays. Anyone who's listening, I you know look to build around that type of skeleton, lock those guys in, mix and match. 
And yeah, if you you can catch the rest of Rob's insight on our website at rotopros.com. Hit the articles tab on top and then the soccer tab. And there you'll find a Rob Diamond GPP strategy for match week six, the EPL. That's it, folks. That'll wrap us up this week. And we'll look to see you next weekend. Have a good weekend and hope everyone wins some money. Thanks. Bye-bye.